Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Autism Stories. I'm your host, Doug Bletcher, the founder of Autism Personal Coach. Autistic people are the true experts of the autistic experience, and Autism Stories is where we interview autistic people to learn from their stories, experiences, and get their advice. If you would like to be notified about each week's episode of Autism Stories, we suggest you subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform. We would also appreciate it if you could give us a positive rating and review as it will help others to learn about Autism Stories. Just a little less than two weeks to go until STEMI Vibrations, a day to celebrate autistic voices, which will happen on April 2nd. In order to participate in STEMI Vibrations, you are absolutely going to need to register. And a link to do that can be found in the podcast description of this episode. One of the the many myths out there, particularly about independent living and the discussion around it, I think one of the many myths about autistic and disabled people is about independent living and the discussion around it because because independent living really doesn't exist. We all need others and that's why I much prefer to discuss this topic when calling independent living interdependent living. So I'm excited today to talk with Ezekiel Bethany Goff about their experiences with interdependent living and how speaking ability can very easily change based on circumstances. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Zeke, thanks so much for joining me today. Wanted to uh, start, start out and learn where does your story in the autistic community begin? I was diagnosed with autism prior to age 22, but after age 18 by my first ever psychiatrist without a full, formal autism assessment. I didn't have involvement with the autism community until very shortly before my diagnosis. Assessments for mental health or developmental issues were recommended to my mom sometimes when I was in school, but because the treatment at the time where we were was likely to be heavy medication and or inadequate accommodations, she did not choose to proceed with an evaluation at that time. My full, formal autism assessment came later than my initial diagnosis and confirmed my psychiatrist's findings. I was diagnosed with autism again. Self-diagnosis is just as valid as professional diagnosis, but in my case, I was only really self-diagnosed for a short time, less than a few months, before receiving my first professional diagnosis. Now, for me, independent living is a myth, and it really doesn't exist. We all need support from others in our lives as adults, so I much prefer to think about this as interdependent living. And I wanted to talk to you today about what do you think are some areas or ways in your life that you need support from others as an adult? All adults need support in many of the same areas social slash emotional, financial, physical, spiritual, etc. I'm autistic, mentally ill, and physically disabled, and all of these created a need for additional support in some areas of my life. I cannot drive or take the bus slash train slash Uber independently, and 
I struggle to take Pura Transit independently, so I rely on delivery services, my professional supports, like my autism coach and case manager, and my friends to pick things up and bring them to me and, in the case of my friends and professionals, to give me rides. I also need support with showering. I struggle with both the sensory aspects of showering and the physical aspects and need physical assistance and prompting with showering. I am also physically, fatigued and pain-wise, and executive function and sensory-wise only able to do certain household chores and need help with the rest. Perhaps the biggest thing I need help with, though, is accessing the community. This is very overwhelming for me. I can lose the ability to speak easily, as well as to read or see clearly when overwhelmed. Everything just becomes a blur of color and sound. I have trouble navigating environments that I have not been to many, many times because I get lost and slash or overwhelmed and cannot recognize familiar places from, say, a bus. I also struggle to deal with sensory input, change, transitions, etc. Now, in getting the support to live interdependently, the people in each of our support networks can be crucial as adults. Who are the types of people in your support network that are helpful to you? Support groups are a vital part of my network and also where I make many of my friends. After that, practicing a give and take with my friends is a big part of how my needs are met. Professionals are also part of my support network at varying times, from my autism coach, you, to aides, to my case manager, to my medical professionals. Having a medical team that believes and advocates for me is also a critical support, as this enables me to get certain other supports, like AIDS. I do have to say that getting AIDS support is difficult in the current climate. Even though I have 15 8 hours per week approved by insurance, I am looking at hiring less experienced AIDS out of pocket through the internet and word of mouth because we've spent nearly a year trying to find an agency to cover my 15 insurance hours. Yes, we've definitely uh, talked about in that past about AIDS and how frustrating this process has been, but definitely hope that sometime soon um, you can get that support. So when people talk or think about independent living, I think one of the first things that comes to mind to me or to a lot of people is housing. Now, I know you've had different types of housing situations. What types of housing situations have you lived in? And I'm wondering if there were some takeaways that you've had from each of these situations to lead you to learn the housing situation that ultimately works best for you. I've lived with family, roommates, been couch surfing, lived in a group home, and lived alone with paid support. So far, since my need for supports in my daily life became apparent slash justified to others by diagnoses, I have not yet had adequate supports in any living situation. I have also been abused in several of these living situations, leading me to desire the maximum possible level of autonomy while still arranging for my support needs to be met. I guess my main takeaway is that I still have the right to safety and autonomy no matter what living situation I am in. 
as an adult, one of the things we have to do is consistently communicate so we can get our needs met in order to live interdependently. You know, it seems so often our society assumes, even in 2022, that the way to do that so often is through spoken communication instead of based on each person's preferred method of communication. What's your preferred way to communicate your needs to others? When talking to professionals, email works best for me. Real-time communication is difficult. In person, I use fluent speech, AAC, and gestures. I prefer AAC generally, if people are patient enough for it, in communicating my needs in person because I can be clearer with it and say what I mean to say more easily. I also like when people are familiar enough with me to understand my body language and gestures because sometimes I cannot communicate my needs and there are few clear signs that I am unable to speak in a given moment. Now, I know you communicate in different ways, um, one of them being AAC, Augmentative and Alternative Communication. What do you feel are some of the myths or stereotypes that you wish would go away, particularly for those that sometimes use spoken communication and then sometimes use AAC? Firstly, I wish people wouldn't assume that a person is either completely speaking or completely not speaking. There are many variations between these two extremes. Also, people shouldn't assume that the ability to speak is static. It changes with circumstances for many people. I also wish people would not assume that the ability to speak in a given moment is black and white, like an on or off switch. I, personally, experience many variations in my ability to speak, including speaking fluently but using scripts, speaking fluently but not being able to say what I want to say, getting my words in the wrong order, or not being able to plan what to say and my AAC helps with all of these things. With the last issue, planning, I can plan my sentence on my AAC using the word suggestion feature and then speak it with my voice. Finally, I want people to know that there are many kinds of AAC. I use communication cards and electronic AAC. And, you know, living interdependently requires all of us to go out into the community for appointments, important things such as doctors, dentists, or getting a haircut. What are some things you think some of these professionals should consider that sometimes they don't realize when trying to support autistics in these settings? I've recorded a really long answer. But I think the gist of the really long answer is that the accommodations you can make for autistic people help non-autistic people too. That is so true. Just even just along the lines of universal design sounds similar to that. Do you want do you want to share the long answer? I can, sure. Go for it. Many of the changes professionals to make spaces more autism-friendly will actually make their spaces more accessible to everyone. Giving clear instructions in writing and verbally, for instance, will help autistic people but also everyone know what to do, and using both formats will also help people who have trouble seeing or hearing have access to the information. Many
Many people are overwhelmed or annoyed by TVs in the waiting rooms, but some like them. So having a TV-free corner of the waiting room while still offering TV elsewhere in the room would benefit many clients. And the same is true for music. Fragrance sprays and diffusers can bother those with sensory sensitivities, but also those with allergies and lung conditions, so avoiding those benefits multiple populations as well. Telling people what to expect, from your procedures to wait times, can help autistic people feel less anxious but also help everyone feel more patient and in control. This could be done in a packet to save time, for those clients for whom a packet is accessible. In an appointment or haircut itself, explaining what you're going to do before you do it and asking before you touch someone helps autistic people but also those with trauma histories and chronic pain. Fewer transitions from room to room and a quieter place to wait, like an empty room, would also be helpful to me as an autistic person. I always appreciate your answers, whether they're the short version or the long version, Zeke. Now, I'm just wondering whether it's this year, next year, or a few years from now, what do you hope that living interdependently looks like for you? I want to continue living on my own in income-based housing, but I need more eight hours to thrive slash survive. I hope to have moved into maximum accessibility housing, which I also hope is safer, gotten more aids, and adopted a cat. Otherwise, things as they are now are pretty good. You know, when I started Autism Personal Coach uh, nine plus years ago, I've, you know, one of the great things is I have the opportunity to coach people and learn from those people and meet so many great people. And you are definitely one of those people that I have learned a lot from. So I really appreciate you uh, putting up with me today, Zeke, and joining me on this podcast and sharing your knowledge with others. Thanks so much to Ezekiel Bethany for the conversation. Autism Personal Coach has been in existence for almost a decade now with the mission to help autistic adults and teens get their needs met and desires fulfilled. One of the most important area of needs that we support our clients in is interdependent living. Whether it's maintaining one's home environment or going into the community to get their needs met with things like grocery shopping or medical appointments. If you have an interest in learning more about how we can help you regarding your life at home or in the community, then book a free call with me today to discuss working with Autism Personal Coach. A link for the free call can be found in the podcast description of this episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Autism Stories, and if you did, if you could tell a friend, foe, or anyone you know about it, so they could have the same enjoyable experience as you when listening to Autism Stories, it would be very much appreciated. On the next episode of Autism Stories, we will discuss autistic activism. Until next time, I'm Doug Bletcher of Autism Personal Coach. Talk to you then.